every Indian, no matter where he may be living at the present time, has a duty towards his country and he must contribute his due share towards the final victory. The task of liberating India is ours and ours alone. 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 Item number one, Srimati Nirmala Sitaraman Manyavita Mantriji. I rise to present the budget for the year 2019-20. That was Mrs. Nirmala Sitaraman beginning her maiden budget speech for the year 2019-20. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Thinksum. In this episode of Thinksum, we are going to discuss the union budget. My name is Oparnika Krishnan and I will first walk you through some basics and then talk to you about the tax and digitization plans that the budget proposes. And I will try not to get very technical about it. Let me start with an introduction to what exactly the union budget is and who prepares it. The union budget basically lays down the government's income and expenditure and fund allotments to various ministries and government schemes. Most importantly, it lays down who will be taxed and by how much. The budget is prepared by the finance minister with the assistance of a number of advisors and bureaucrats and it relies on the initial estimates of expenditure provided by various ministries. The work on making the annual budget starts sometime in September and it has four stages. The final stage is the presentation of the budget speech and approval by the Lok Sabha. The finance minister's budget speech this year, which was over two hours long, has been called opaque. It was the first speech to not clearly state the total amount of expenditure and allocations to important sectors like health. The budget document, of course, covers all of these things, but the common citizens rely more on the speech than the arduously long budget document for these crucial figures. The stock markets did not react well to the budget. Budget analysts felt that the budget lacked any broad stimulus measures to revive the slowest economic growth in five years. Broadly, let me tell you where the government is earning money from and where it is spending. 21% of its income comes from corporate tax. This is the biggest source of income for them. Second largest source of funds are borrowings and liabilities, which constitute 20%. Then we have GST at 19% and income tax at 16%. These are the major sources of income. Where are we majorly spending most of that money? 23% is the state's share of taxes. 18% is interest payments, 13% is central, stack, uh, central sector schemes, and 19% is defense. For education, only 3.4% is the budgeted expenditure, which is down from 3.74% the previous year, and from 4.3% when the Modi government took over in 2014. The budgetary allocation for the Department of Health and Family Welfare has been increased 15% this year, but it is still less than 4% of the expenditure budget. Ghana was spending 4.45% of its GDP on health in 2016. I'm just going to leave that fact there for you. India, less than 4% on health. Ghana, 4.45%. Now, those are some vital stats. Former Finance Minister P. Chitambaram raised some vital questions about the budget in the Rajya Sabha. He said that the goals set by the budget were unrealistic given recent trends. They cannot be achieved without strong structural reforms and except saying that there will be structural reforms, there isn't any clear roadmap prescribed by the budget. Mr. Chidambaram said that the overall state of the economy is weak, 
and that this budget was insipid. The government should have leveraged a strong mandate in the parliament to pass bolder reforms to spur investment. I highly recommend listening to his entire speech. The link is in the bibliography of this episode. I'm now going to talk to you about some major themes that emerged in the budget. Digitization of the economy, cleaner economy, widening and deepening the tax base. Now, it is proposed to make income tax return filing compulsory for the following people. People who have deposited more than 1 crore in a current account in a year, people who have expended more than 2 lakh on foreign travel or more than 1 lakh on electricity consumption in a year. Now, this is to ensure that people who enter into high-value transactions are providing information about their income, a move to widen the tax base, which this government has been quite successful in doing. Direct tax revenue collected has increased from has increased by 78% from 2013 to 2018. This is a good thing, and a lot of this has to do with demonetization. This is probably the only unsarcastic time I will say this. Va Modi ji, va. Now, there's a proposed tax on cash withdrawals. A deduction of 2% from the source will be levied on people whose yearly cash withdrawals from a bank account exceed 1 crore rupees. This is to ensure that people conduct transactions through trackable sources like check, bank deposits, etc. High-value transactions will also now have to be authenticated by PAN or Aadhaar. PAN and Aadhaar, by the way, have been made interchangeable. People who have linked the two can now use Aadhaar in place of PAN. For people who have not linked the two, the PAN allotted to them shall be made inoperative after the date notified for the said linking. These moves have been proposed to help keep the economy clean. Now let's move on to taxes. Surcharge on income tax has been increased. People earning between 2 crore and 5 crore rupees will now have to pay 25%. People earning more than 5 crore will have to pay 37%. Now, earlier companies earning between 250 and 400 crores were being taxed higher, but now they will have to pay 25% tax. Now, I don't know what I feel about this because I don't know where the government plans to recover this lost corporate tax revenue. Remember, corporate tax is the biggest source of income for the government. It has also been made mandatory for large businesses to accept digital modes of payment. Large businesses are those whose businesses exceed 50 crore rupees during the previous year. All of these are good moves, but they have to be implemented in a carefully thought-out manner. Internet penetration is still around 43%. It's growing annually by 18%, but I still think that inclusive digitization is a challenge for this government. And perhaps this makes me a Luddite, but I don't trust mobile wallets. I don't know what software they're using. I don't know who is checking their software and what risk exposure to cybercrime there is. For the longest time, they were running without RBI approval. On more than one occasion, Google Pay has said that my transaction failed, but my money was still debited from my account. It was only after continuous emails that the money was refunded to me. Imagine someone sitting in a village who doesn't get internet all day, has to go through all of these cumbersome procedures to get their money back. And I think if the government is so excitedly promoting digital modes of payment, it should also take out and spread awareness about some guidelines for consumer protection. I don't know, I just think that my money is safer in a legitimate bank and in my actual physical wallet. That's it from me. Now, let's look at what Shibani has to say about the history of the budget in general. And Danish will walk you through some other aspects of the budget. And Anmol is here too, and he is going to question us, I think, on things to make sure that we know what we're talking about. 
something which um, you must have heard of a lot being thrown around these days in the paper in the news but not every really Indian uncle is talking about yes every Indian uncle and every chaiwala is talking about this <laughs> uncles are talking about this and you hear these passing comments of oh ye budget mein to but the question then becomes how much of it do you understand right and uh, for all those moments you thought I don't know that at all but didn't say anything about it but you know you just nodded along yeah just nodded along like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yes you know what I think uh, we have been there and this is uh, this episode is your cheat code to understanding the, the budget a little better this is budget 101 for dummies and I'm the dummy in the situation so I'm going to be your voice and asking kya every two minutes so um, Danish I'll start from where I'm usually the best at you will feel free to join in where, and then you will yep. So, the I mean, uh, if you think about financial planning in the larger theme of things, <clears throat> that has a very uh, ancient history. But uh, any civilization, any organization needs to have some uh, understanding of their financial investment and their expenditure. But what if we concentrate just on the idea of budgets and this kind of centralized government pre-planning or uh, positing of your financial plan, then we can look at it in a, in a, in a, in a better way. So beginning on the word budget is itself, where does the word budget come from? It, the hmm. word, the root comes from this word called buget, which basically means a leather bag with a briefcase. Yeah. So the idea that your documents, your wealth will be kept in that bag and this is the budget and your expenditure, how much you take out and put in. Um, that's the idea behind the word. But coming to India and the example of India uh, vis-a-vis budget, uh, I want to begin very briefly taking, taking you back to the modern civilization, right? This is one of the earliest large civilizations that covered a very considerable part of what is today India, the Indian continent, and uh, parts of Afghanistan as well. Um, it was founded by Chandragupta Maurya in 322 BCE. We often associate uh, the modern empire with, uh, with the Arthashastra written by Kautilya. And, but that isn't all there was to modern administration. Just the finance they applied was the, one of the first uniform agrarian taxes. And back then, as now, India is still a very agrarianly dominant uh, economy and, and, and uh, nation. Mm. Uh, the second thing they did was they reduced the uniform currency. Now, if you go, if you walk into the National Museum in Janpat and you go to the municipal section, you will see the first punch mark coins. And then you will see yeah. the modern empire coins were the first uniform coins that resemble what we have today mm. uh, as well. Coming, skipping down a little bit to the subcontinent, uh, the name subcontinent, we have Aladdin Khilji. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, um, a lot of us have a very screwed version idea of what Kilji was yeah. like for us who um, invested those 60 minutes of our lives in the beautiful movie called Padmavala. Oh um, I mean, a lot of, lot of uh, sarcasm dripping from my mouth. Um, Alaudi Kilji was actually a very, very talented administrator and a very gifted financial planner. 
so um, you can read a lot about him one is the courage tax that he um, imposed um he applied a 50% tax on on all agrarian produce and that goes to show how much uh, he was taking from his people to run his administration the way he was mm-hmm. the second very unique aspect was he was the first one to make sort of your uh, colony bba market situation yeah. right mm-hmm. like you all have a market we walk to where you have different shops with different utilities for the entire colony <clears throat> allowing people to also make these uh, focused uh, market spots all across um, his kingdom which was very useful to monitor to regulate markets and regulate uh, prices as well um coming down to um shesha suri who was the one who deposed humayun and caused him to run to iran shesha suri has one thing in common with jalaluddin akbar they have the, they have the same financial minister if i can call him that total mal who was a um, um, rajput was that uh, in both these um, contested so it was a contesting rulers right so total mal under shesha suri was the first person to introduce a toll tax and what's important is that on the shesha suri you had the construction of the grand trunk road now yeah. a big yeah. uh, construction like this requires <clears throat> big central investment where does the money come from are things like this where you take toll from new uh, avenues beyond just a grade in right yeah. and then under akbar dorumal um, uh, focused a lot on land reform he also um, the, the use of currency on a very large scale happened under dorumal as well under his guidance um and a lot of the words we use today come from that so for example the gold coin you would have heard this word from mohar mm-hmm. it was called mohar uh, our current rupee comes from rupaya which is yeah. a silver coin and um, your paisa was a copper coin so that that influence permeated to the present day right mm-hmm. coming down to the british empire and this is where things get very interesting and got more today the first budget for the british for british india was uh, released the idea of the budget in 1860 now think about that date right and who was it presented by in 69 presented by james wilson mm-hmm. now think about 1860 where are we in india the revolt has just gotten over mm-hmm. and even though they call it the sepoy mutiny but the revolt shook the british empire to its core they, they almost lost control of the other various colonies that they had and post the revolt the british crown said no i don't think you're handling this very well i'm taking over they took over the reins from the east india company mm-hmm. with victoria's uh, proclamation as empress of india and this budget was one of the many policies of taking greater control of india yeah. now it wasn't about dominance they couldn't physically go and like hit people and take over the country they realized that indians will hit back mm. the best way of going about this is better administration mm. and a budget was central to that completely interestingly enough also james wilson was the same guy who founded the economist magazine mm. oh, that okay. and he also founded the standard chartered bank not um, so he is quite a prominent personality in our society today coming down to independent india i'm going to come down to uh, three of the earliest important budgets that we had right the first budget came out in 1947 on 26 november i was saying danish this before we began the podcast that mm-hmm. we have inherited so much from the british uh, be it the structure of how we present our budget mm-hmm. to the time at which we present our budget okay. well. so from 1799 the budget has been number one presented only in spring mm-hmm. after the harvest is over and land tax has been collected and it has presented at 5 pm in the evening and the simple reason being ki agar raat mein padhai karo you can't give a morning test yeah, so yeah. the the team working on the budget would work through the night to make the budget happen like mm-hmm. all deadlines you work on the last one <laughs> and next morning to not wake up in time they would go bhai tu aaram se so hum lunch ke baad hum lunch ke baad baat karenge bro so he sleeps till lunch next day and at 5 o'clock they come we're all ready and they present the budget to them so that even uh, this time it was presented in uh, at 5 pm first budget was presented by sir rk shanmukhan chetty 
and his budget was abbreviated for 7.5 months only post without interim budget and this was the time of partition riots mm. imagine number one the importance of having financial management at this moment yeah. but the difficulty also of understanding what resources we still have the second one I want to talk to you about is the one presented by John Mathai. So this yeah. guy, he was the one who introduced the Planning Commission and also introduced the five-year plan that mm-hmm. we worked from Soviet Russia that we made plan. The third and last one I want to mention in this podcast today is the 1957 um, budget. Mm-hmm. This is um, K. N. Krishnamachari's budget and he was the one who introduced wealth tax in India. This is interesting because in this budget, we come, we're going to come across a very similar tax to wealth tax that has been increased in certain spaces as well. Now, before I go, I was just want to mention a very cute anecdote I came across. Uh, Muradi Desai uh, was uh, somebody who presented the budget twice in his uh, term mm-hmm. uh, for, Indra, for Indra Gandhi. He used to refer to himself as, I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm removing <laughs> some flesh from this end, putting it on the, on the other side. A presenter, he said that I am re- reducing the tax on pickles so that it adds heat and spice to my budget. So, yeah. <laughs> round of applause for that joke. But from Rodi, salute to Rodi himself. Um, oh, Rodi? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Shivani, for that brilliant summary as to what really happened from Mauryan Empire to present time. So, I will go over like major proposals and I would invite <clears throat> your questions and suggestions <laughs> to the various proposals in the budget. The budget has been passed in Lok Sabha right now and uh, it's it's pending in Rajya Sabha and debate. And debate is going to happen on that. I would... I would request all my listeners to closely watch what the parliamentarians are, are debating on this issue because the, you have elected those parliamentarians. Yeah. You need to know what they're talking about yeah. in the budget. And budget affects, it's affecting you every part of your life. So moving on, I'm going to break down the budget into several sectoral initiatives. Okay. I'm going to first start with social sector reforms. Firstly and foremost, let's talk about what the budget gives me about women. Doesn't really talk about a lot. The <laughs> interim budget which was presented in February this year also was very silent on this issue. Mm-hmm. The major and I, one of the most important uh, provisions is that 5,000 rupees overdraft facility is provided to you know women's self-help groups which have Jantan accounts. Now what is overdraft? Overdraft means if I don't have any money in my account, the bank will give me money in my account as an overdraft. So it's like a loan. It's like a loan. Yes, with no mortgage, basically. It's given by the government through the bank. Mm -hmm. So the bank will deposit the money in your account. So that's that. It's very important because a lot of women self-help groups work like that. Mm -hmm. It can't be a company. It can't be a partnership. You know, all these women uh, self-help groups are are from rural society, right? But it's a good reform. Second, I will go on to you know benefits to the uh, the small traders, the shopkeepers. One of the most important budget proposals is that. Uh, you know, if a shopkeeper has an annual turnover more than 1.5 crore, mm. you're having a pension benefit. And mm. the scheme is called Pradhan Mantri Karam Yogi Mandhan scheme. Mm. So, it's Mandhan scheme. It's a very <laughs> heavy name. I don't know, man. So, this is a very important scheme because it's giving, it's, it's understanding the importance what small traders have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the way, the scheme is only for people who have entered into GST, who have... Oh, that's good. That's, that's a, a good, good incentive. So, it's a good it's a incentive that you would... You know, from informal sector, you would move to formal sector. Oh, right. Right. For sure. For sure. Uh, moving on to education, I mean, this is very important because mm-hmm. it's very important for... Uh, so, first and foremost, there's a National Research Foundation. The National Research Foundation has been proposed by this National Education Policy also. So, what Mrs. Uh, Nirmala Sitraman has proposed is that this National Research Foundation will, you know, collect all those financial schemes which, you know, all all government grants which, the you know, the universities get, they will... You know, for example, the UGC gives grants, the, you know, 
on the other department give grant they will collate all this grant system and put it into a national research foundation mm. and on the national research foundation we give grants okay so now i have a little issue with that yeah number one uh, whatever i mean i whatever videos i have been listening to and whatever podcasts i have been listening to talk about that uh, the um, budget uh, allocation to in education has not changed mm. yeah we are at the 3% then we stagnated at the 3% we mm. have moved on even though most um advisors say 8% minimum should be given to education and it's not been given to us later also we talk about how now study in india program yeah, is yeah, yeah, where yeah, you yeah. want um students so, so from abroad to come to india but i don't understand without investment in the infrastructure of india how can we desire to attract people here yeah. secondly also i want to ask you is and this is a little uh, ideological question right if you have a nationalized um funding system system foundation yeah. don't you also think the nationalized ideology will seep into who gets that funding exactly. yeah that's 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 a very legit question jibani the first to modi government's first and foremost priority mm-hmm. apparently seems to be education because they've set up the national hcsci and a lot of things but the budget allocation has not increased for example <clears throat> for nrf they're saying that they will allocate 20000 crores which is which seems like a good number mm-hmm. but the entire HRD ministry is given around eighty thousand crores. So that doesn't really seem to be mm. one fourth. You really can't allocate one fourth of the entire budget to the NRF. It seems that what the government is proposing to launch mm. and what's really in the budget estimates doesn't really match up. Mm. So I really don't know as to how to make an assessment of that. Mm. Secondly, ideologically, it's very very valid question because if your central, if the central government is controlling your funds, <clears throat> how will the central government understand which university or which researcher wants what kind of fund mm-hmm. one thing that they have proposed is that every year what ugc does with its grants is that it would give grants at the end of the year which it has changed that they would give grants at the beginning of the year so the people would have funds it, i mean it's just it's good on paper but again implementation will give us the uh, give, will give us the entire picture mm-hmm. yeah. next very important point is that Our books are going to be expensive. Your economist magazine that you were talking about is going to be expensive because they put a tax on important books. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, right. The, and the reason is given to further uh, indigenous publishing. I mean, I don't think Indian publishers have that much of a problem that you know ban the enough ban to keep on making books more expensive. And not ten percent, man, ten percent, ten percent customs duty. It's too much. It's too much. It's literally. And you know what? I know there's a particular that they are particular kind of paper as we have heard from the office. Yes, <laughs> paper <laughs> and this is so one particular kind of paper does is not manufactured in India. It's only imported. Yeah. Now, oh. if you don't have the domestic manufacturers, how, are you going to- how will you? and the importers not are incentivized that market will just crumble mm-hmm. so that is a very important point but do you think it's going to push us to buy more uh, indian publishers yeah. i don't know because would you for example there is demand for economists are you really cannot change that, that right is true. That yeah. is there true. is demand and also feel that a lot of the our reading happens sure price is a big impact but um, as students i don't remember having, having bought too many books right all yeah. of our material mostly is online like book papers that's what they are arguing right you're putting out 5% so there's a 5% custom duty on newspapers also you don't have honestly speaking you know physical copies we don't use anymore we don't yeah the demand is anyway it's declining so mm. this this move is going to hit man, uh, you know domestic manufacturers also yes yeah. nobody is benefiting from this and mm. again data will in the few months we'll get to know what's really happening Yeah. Next important point I really want to talk about is a very important issue for students who you know get into PG's model tenancy law. 
this is interesting because tenancy and tenant rights and landlords isn't is a state subject mm. so the central government really can't regulate it as tightly as it wants to yeah, sure. uh why this tenancy law is proposed is because there are a lot of reasons because you have landlords taking 10 months deposit 9 months deposit you have to submit 1 wow. lakh rupees mm. 2 lakh rupees as deposit to live in our <coughs> so one month yeah. or two months which doesn't really seem fair on uh, on a prima facie level second point is that you get a lot of complaints that you know landlords landlords are abusing rights mm-hmm. you know they would not get a rent agreement signed they would not get a rent agreement executed so you have this uh, model tenancy law which specifically says that you have uh, once that rent agreement is signed mm-hmm. or you know it's struck a deal you have to get it registered by the district magistrate then i was then and very very interesting point is that the uh, the deposit has been capped at 2 months now you can only take 2 months deposit that's good so that's yeah. a very good move. very good move especially in places like mumbai and bangalore where you take 9 months 10 months rent where you can't sure. live i hope the states would kind of implement but it's it's, it's basically on political exigencies right it's a good move it's a good law and um, moving on to agriculture well, agriculture is a very interesting scheme they are saying and this is uh, uh, saran just said mm-hmm. you know we really like the concept of zero budget farm- farming zero budget farming is a system where you don't require credit and you don't use fertilizers mm-hmm. and she said you know we'll been try to implement it more you don't know whether zero budget farming will actually help you know to maintain that demand mm-hmm. all yeah. that i know it's a good system to yeah. maintain because fertilizers are killing us the whole green mm. revolution system your uh, your land productivity is falling down mm. consequently your agricultural productivity is falling down mm. so it's a, it's a good it's a good idea but has to be in a phase wise manner about the budget i would genuinely say this i was reading this uh, article in the hindu it's a hand to mouth budget the government has moved revenues from this place to that place mm. trying to you know tax sources because let's say it last year the government around spent like 80000 crores on recapitalization of banks the government is giving a farmer supports a subsidy mm. of 4000 rupees per month the government does not have revenue so this budget is not a budget is going to make lot of people happy because this is a hand to mouth budget yeah. if you even see your revenues what the government is saying the rbi should mm. you know transfer all its surplus to the government not all but certain percentage of surplus to the government the sebi should transfer a certain percentage mm. mm. and this is a very important point which is true that came up in news a long time back as well about cbi fund uh, literally funding government projects at this point it was uh, something that uh, raghuram rajan refused mm-hmm. then ujit patel refused yeah, then we have uh, mr das who is the current uh, governor of rbi he is up, he is com- you know complying but we don't know to what extent and there was a lot of um, recommendations against this move happening that the rbi yeah. should not be funding the government so much and such an example modi and his government is putting extreme pressure on the rbi yeah, yeah. especially for the specifically yeah, even sebi they are yeah. asking even sebi to transfer what is that uh security and exchange board of india which mark which like sorry <laughs> now we know now you know <laughs> point of that rbi front is that recently the bimal jalan panel which was set up by the government to look into this issue has come out with a report and said that you know we will tra- we will not transfer money like in months we will take 3 4 years uh, give rbi 3 4 years to transfer the surplus even if you want the surplus because let's face it the government owns the rbi for sure the state owns the rbi the rbi really can't say no the reality of course in principle the rbi has to be has to be autonomous of all spheres but the rbi will have to you know bow down to the government and it will transfer the surplus in three four years that, that's so the current so you might understand if we skip over if you get to this uh, very catchy 5 trillion oh, yeah, yeah. that the government has opposed <laughs> yeah. yeah. because i feel that it's it's connected to the rbi thought only right? yeah, yeah, yeah. that at the end of the day to get this 5 trillion in the next 5 years uh, the, uh, the advisors suggesting that we need an 8% 
growth rate for the next 12 years. Sustained growth rate. And for next 12 years, the government is saying that oh, if we, I mean, they give them some suggestions and they are very confident that they will achieve this in the next 5 years. Nirmala uh, Sitaraman very dramatically said that with Asha and Akanksha and um, what was Vishwas. And Vishwas. Yes. <laughs> we, will, we will achieve this because um, for 55 years our um, turnover has been some 1 point something billion and now only in the past 5 years we have made it 2 point something billion. Yeah. Now, uh, if you watch, uh, I really recommend you to watch uh, NDTV's Navish Kumar, he talks very nicely about this and breaks it down that in 1964, mm. the world um, estimate were again uh, 1.8 trillion. trillion and India by, and how can you assume that uh, the world itself has then moved on to now being, uh, now it is at some 87 point something trillion uh, estimation at the current <coughs> moment. So how mm. can you then compare that? So, 55 yeah. years of India was Invalid. so stagnant. The entire world economy was suffering yeah. and it, it had, a, had a very similar growth rate. So, that's a question that I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. What is this 5 trillion to um, estimation that Nirmal Sitaraman and Akanksha and Vishwas and uh, Asha Arvanuchi? <laughs> just in a nutshell, are, yeah. you, are you more hopeful or are you more skeptical in terms of this 5 trillion uh, analysis and this 5 trillion growth? Answer the nation wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. See, presently, presently, you're talking about today. Five years, you don't know what might happen. For sure. Presently, you, you don't even have 7% growth rate. Mm. So, I think that sums up the entire <laughs> conclusion. You don't even have 7% growth rate. Forget 8%. Increasing the GDP by 1% is not a joke. Yeah, it's not a joke. And specifically, you want to increase by 1% and we'll talk about the tax proposals later. But... You don't, ha- you haven't placed mechanisms in place to do that. Yeah. Presently speaking, you can't. So moving on to the tax proposals now. Yeah. Now the serious talk, the adult stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adult stuff meaning that the tax rates haven't kept unchanged because of the fact that if they had already made it in the interim budget. I think we are really pretty satisfied with that. The middle class are kept happy. Mm-hmm. That's how the government won its, its huge mandate of 303 mm-hmm. votes. So good luck for the government on that. Mm-hmm. Again, the interesting point here is that a lot of people have been debating about the higher surcharge on individuals. Now, if the budget really wants to achieve $5 trillion uh, and increase the growth rate to 8%, mm-hmm. I don't really think that this higher surcharge on individuals, you know, people would not be in- incentivized to invest in India because of the fact that you want to tax individuals. And individuals are investing in companies and individuals earn their profits and revenues from the companies itself. Mm. So indirectly you are trying to control individuals, right? Mm. Individuals profits and income. So this might take a hit Mm. in the short term or in the long term. I'm not really sure about that, but it will take a hit. Moving on, there's a very interesting provision on electric vehicles. You have only one major electric vehicle producer in India, which is Hyundai. Mm. And um, what they are saying is that a tax deduction of up to 1,50,000 rupees will be provided. Mm-hmm. For loans that you on for loans on purchase of electric vehicles between the financier, this is a good move, but mm-hmm. it's going to hit the automobile industry. What a lot of automobile industry leaders are saying that the, the this sudden change of you know you are providing interest subvention also and you are providing GST because the GST has been reduced on twelve to five percent also, mm-hmm. it's going to hit the automobile industry. So what they are arguing is that you have to have a gradual change. Mm-hmm. You really can't expect a normal middle class person to just change his preferences automatically just because the budget is has given him certain incentives. So this is going to hit the automobile industry also. And yeah. in any case, I think the past five years 
car sales have stagnated and that's yeah. really bad news for all the producers especially for companies like Kia who are trying to like set up new plants here so mm-hmm. I think that's also going to adversely affect like companies uh, moving on very interesting I mean I like the budget for this pro- now why I like the budget is because the corporate tax rate has been decreased Ooh. for MSMEs is going to really benefit them and the mm-hmm. MSMEs have suffered enough the demonetization hit them GST is hitting them still mm-hmm. so this Corporate tax rate, which has been reduced from 30% to 25% for, mm-hmm. for turnover, which is less than 250 crore, is going to be, it's a good move. India had the highest, one of the highest corporate tax rates. Mm-hmm. That is why I feel that even if, uh, Shivani, like coming back to the question, 5 trillion economy is possible if you give MSMEs a push. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's possible. But mm-hmm. if you're giving, if you're having a high surcharge, might kind of, you know, spin off, trade off that effect. Yeah. So that might happen. Another interesting, very important point is that so, government's rule, by 2022, the government wants affordable housing for all. Okay. So, one thing we've talked about, the moral tenancy law, that mm-hmm. is going to give you yeah. affordable housing for all. Second, what they've introduced is giving, they're giving tax as exemptions for it. They're saying that, you know, if you buy a house which is up to 45 lakh, whatever interest have you bought your house on, we will give you an interest deduction. Mm-hmm. But this might not be in the favor of people who are in metro because who gets a house in 45 lakhs? Yeah. <laughs> 45 lakhs. 45 lakhs. Yeah. So that, that's the maximum amount. So yeah. it might be good for people who are living in rural or uh, urban areas. Suburbs. Yeah, yeah suburbs. suburbs. But not really for people who really want to, you know, move to the metros. Mm-hmm. For metros, you have the model tenants, you know, even if it gets implemented. Yeah. Now, moving on to startups. Startups is a very important issue because Again, five-trillion economy, the government wants to push MSMEs and startups. Now, startups, mm-hmm. what do you understand the startups and more? Like fresh startups in mm-hmm. terms of companies that have been started within the zero to five-year uh, bracket constitute as fresh startups. Mm-hmm. Within the five to ten-year bargain, they're, uh, they're older startups. The budget has given a lot of points for startups and, uh, and it's a good thing. The budget does not have an overall strategy, but it has given something for specific people, specific sector. So the a major mm-hmm. issue that was going on for the past six months was angel tax. Startups look for what? They look for investors to put their money in their idea. Mm-hmm. For example, Chubo, the investor for the startup, the investor is an angel. The startup which gives money to the investor is taxed <coughs> at a certain rate, which is called the angel tax. Mm-hmm. Now, what was happening is that the investor gives startup money, a lot of money in return for what? In return for equity. And what is equity? Voting, voting rights mm-hmm. in the company, how the company would work, what company pro- operations would work. While filing tax returns, you have to show that who is giving what kind of money. Mm-hmm. Because you have to justify to the income tax department why have we charged a certain kind of you know money from a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. Because you're selling shares on the market, right? You're selling shares because you're inviting people to invest in your idea. Yeah. And when you're inviting in people to invest in your idea, you have to justify your prices to the income tax department. So what the income tax department does is that income tax department, it asks the companies that why are you charging so much from them? Because the the investor is giving you a lot of money. You have to justify why the investor is giving you a lot of money. That is why the income tax department is asking you why are you charging this much of money? So the income tax department cuts 30% of that money from your revenue. So this was a huge issue and several starters were, you know, issued tax invoices and tax notices on the income tax department. They were told that you would be shut down if you don't, you know, don't justify your higher valuations of share premium. So this was a huge issue and startups said, you know, are going to kill us. Mm-hmm. And the company and the whole government agenda is about stand-up India. Stand-up India means that we support startups. Mm-hmm. So this issue was resolved in February and in 
the budget really tells us that you know we are not going to touch you value your uh, shares at a higher premium but we'll show your tax returns we will not take any action so the budget gives what's the premium premium in the price the extra price you have a share price you would give your voting rights to a person mm-hmm. on a certain price mm-hmm. the investor is going to you know buy your shares on a higher price because he's the angel investor he's giving you more money he's giving so you more capital the value of your share is greater so it's going to be purchased at a higher price basically. so premium is the extra price yeah. that the in angel investor is paying to the startup yeah and that's the bone of contention here yeah. now the budget has done away with it it's saying that you know aap bas apna you just file your returns properly we will just check your returns because the intention behind introducing this provision in 2012 was that they wanted to check money laundering now another that another provision that they have added is that they have allowed startups to carry forward their losses to the next year oh they have allowed so if you have certain loss in a certain financial year mm. you don't have to you know justify that loss in that year you can carry forward that loss and make it you don't have to show that so that's, that's two very important provisions for the startups
the whole entire team, right? Congratulate the government on this uh, budget and congratulate ourselves on this episode. I hope you guys have a lovely week. Um, signing off, this is Shibani. This is Danish. This is Anmol. And Shubhuji. And um, thank you for your time. We love you and we'll see you next week.